Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Again, I want to welcome you. Great to see everybody today. And as was mentioned, this is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I was thinking back, I became the, the lead pastor here 35 years ago in January. And so the first Pentecost Sunday came around and I remember I was teaching a message kind of along the same lines we're going to be talking about today, talking about Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. There was a man with his wife and kids who would, we had four sets of pews then and he would sit in the back on the far side over here, second or third row from the back. And I remember as I was speaking, uh, he got up and literally shouted, that's it. I've had enough. We're out of here. We'll never be back. And uh, exited with himself, his wife and his kids. And you say, what did you do? Uh, I just kept preaching. You know, I learned to preach in Mexico where we had dog fights in church, pigs, chickens, all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So so I just I just kept going. But but I tell you that to tell you this. It is so important that we do not put our traditions above the word of God. We're going to we're going to go with the word of God, no matter who that separates us from or identifies us with. Because this is this is God's word. This shows us God's plan, God's will. So with that said, Matthew three and verse 11, the Pharisees have sent some people to John the Baptist, who is Jesus forerunner. And John is out baptizing in water. And they said, who are you? And he said, well, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he, this is Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, literally, what I hear so often Christians say, man, I just wish I could have been there with Jesus. If I could have seen him feed the multitude, preach the Sermon on the Mount, heal the leper, walk on water. If I could have just seen Jesus do those things, it would have been so awesome. And then we neglect what Jesus is doing today. And I think that it's ludicrous to think I would have been right in the middle of what Jesus was doing, but I don't want to participate in what Jesus is doing. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And it's really interesting that Jesus' ministry really began after he was water baptized, came up out of the water, and the Spirit of God came on him. It says in Matthew 3, 16, and when he had been baptized... And let me just mention, Jesus walked, everybody say walked, 30 miles to be water baptized. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And uh, we're not asking you, if you have not been baptized since you believe, to walk 30 miles, but show up in a couple weeks on Sunday morning. And get baptized. And it's a big deal. And we'll even talk a little bit this morning, maybe about why it's such a big deal to be water baptized. See, when the children of Israel partook of the Passover lamb, they were delivered 
out of Egypt. But they were not delivered from their enemies until they went through the water of baptism. The enemy could not follow them. They got out of the place, but they didn't get delivered from their enemies, from their oppressors until they were water baptized. And there is a very, very powerful anointing from God to be delivered in areas of our lives when we are water baptized. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus is 30 years old at this time and there's not one recorded miracle that he did in those 30 years in the Bible, nor does it talk at all about his ministry. In fact, the people in his hometown, Nazareth, were absolutely surprised when he showed up and began to do the things that he did. It all began when he was baptized in water and then the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove. And the Bible tells us immediately He's out in the desert. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days and he comes back in the power of the spirit. Something dramatically changed. Jesus' ministry began and, and literally his life changed at that point. You look at the disciples and before the baptism in the Holy Spirit, before Pentecost, they're afraid, they're hiding. Peter is denying the Lord, but yet on that very day, he gets up, preaches to, th preaches to thousands of people and tells them, you are the one who crucified the Lord of glory. Well, he was the one who had denied the Lord. But yet boldness came upon him. And I know personally my life changed when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, the Bible tells us in Acts 1 that he spent 40 days with the disciples talking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, if you're a Christian, you, you know this. God did not just save you from something. He saved you to something. He saved you to the kingdom of God, not just from, but to. And part of that, that kingdom that Jesus is talking about, you're going to see in just a moment, has to do with the Holy Spirit empowering your life. But Jesus said to them in, excuse me, in John 20, this is post-resurrection, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you a question first. When Jesus breathed on them, did they receive the Holy Spirit? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. But Jesus nevertheless keeps on talking to them about another experience with the Holy Spirit. And notice it says that he breathed on them, which is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit or the anointing is imparted often is when someone breathes upon you. But Acts 1 and verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they've already received the Holy Spirit, but now he says you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, in fact, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't begin ministry 
without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that Jesus said, I want for you. In fact, John said this is something Jesus does for us. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Well, the disciples said to Jesus, well, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and let me just run down a little, little rabbit trail here. Jesus is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's going to do that. Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the season, which the father has in his own power or authority. But he's telling them, you are going to see the day when the kingdom is restored. Jesus is the king of the Jews. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. He told his disciples, you'll sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why we love the Jews. That's why we love Israel. And that's why we stand with Israel. If you didn't know, now you know. Your Savior is the king of the Jews. He said, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. It says, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and under the ends of the earth. You see, the, this endowment of power is for you to be a witness for Jesus. It's for you to partake of the kingdom. Now, in Acts chapter 2, we find the actual day of Pentecost. And it says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let me remind you, who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. This is part of Jesus' present day ministry. Now, it says when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they began to speak with other tongues. What so often we hear is people have an idea in their head of what it's going to be like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this past week, I was reading uh, about a certain evangelist about 150 years ago who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said when it happened, he said it was like electricity and, and the Spirit of God just came on him like liquid love. And he said there's just wave after wave. And finally he said, God, stop or I'm going to die. And I remember I, I had a lady tell me, you know, when I receive the Holy Spirit, it's going to be like liquid love. And somebody else said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shake or I'm going to have goosebumps or I'm going to have this. The Bible does not say they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and felt like they thought they would. Or felt like Aunt Susie did. Right? That's not what it says. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And the implied subject of that sentence is they began to speak. Now, this is important. I remember when I was prayed for, I'd been saved for just a few months. And uh, some of the leaders of the church took me aside and said, you know, we're going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything. I knew nothing. But I would knew whatever Jesus has for me, I want some. So they led me in this prayer. And, and they said, now, now, they said, now, if you sent something, you know, in your spirit, something coming up, some words, you just begin to speak those words. And so I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and speak. So I was like this. 
You know, and they're talking to me and, you know, one saying let loose and somebody else is telling me to hold on. I'm like, you say, what happened? My mouth got real dry. <laughs> but I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to grab my tongue. I re- that's what I'm doing. I'm absolutely serious. I'm waiting for him to come and speak. Now, the Bible does not say the Holy Spirit spoke. It says they spoke. And he gave utterance. Now, whenever there's something that's supernatural, there's two parts. There's God's part and there's a human part. God says to Moses, extend your rod over the sea. He extends his rod and God opens the sea. Moses did something natural. God did something supernatural. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is walking on the the water and Jesus said to Peter, come. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk. Now, I want you to think about this. That's natural. Most of us walk every day. God did something supernatural and got underneath so he wouldn't sink. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Listen, you could not heal a mosquito with a bent wing. But when you lay hands, God's the one who causes them to recover. There's a natural part, the human side, obedience, and then there is the supernatural side. The natural side is you begin to speak. And as you begin to speak, the spirit gives you the utterance. Now, it may happen instantly or it might not happen instantly. Uh, the, The fact is somebody says, do you turn the Holy Spirit on and off? No, he's just always turned on. He's just always ready. I remember when Jeannie and I were living in Mexico, this would have been uh, 41 years ago. Jeannie is sharing with our neighbor. She gets saved, prays with her to receive the Holy Spirit. And the lady went home and while she was washing dishes several hours later, she began to speak with other tongues. Now, for her, it didn't happen instantly. But once she began to speak, the Spirit gave her the utterance. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 12 in verse 13, this verse, along with Ephesians 4 and 5, has caused some people to be confused about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, there it says one baptism. And it says, by one spirit, we've been baptized into one body, the body of Christ. But in Hebrews 6, verse 2, it says the doctrine of baptisms, multiple. So here's what this is saying. It's saying there's one baptism that every believer partakes in. And as it says here, by one spirit, we were all baptized. When a person receives Jesus, the spirit of God takes that person and baptizes them or puts them into the body of Christ. It's automatic. You don't need to know about it. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to ask for it. It happens automatically. But the Bible says there's there's doctrine of baptisms. There's a baptism into the body of Christ. There's water baptism. There's spirit baptism. And other people will tell you and, and that, that there's the baptism of fire or the baptism of suffering. So there's minimum of three, 
possibly four different baptisms. In Acts chapter 8, I want to take a look at Philip, who was one of the deacons from Acts chapter 6. The Bible says he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing, seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized both men and women. Though they believed and they were baptized in water. Jesus said in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So Philip preaches about the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. They believe him. They're baptized in water, both men and women. Now look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is subsequent to believing and being water baptized. But the apostles, now these are the original 12 apostles. They said, hey, these guys have gotten saved. We need to send somebody down to pray for them that they would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Only they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they had laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. So out of this entire city, hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people have believed and been water baptized, but not one of them has received the Holy Spirit since they believed. The apostles, when they heard, they immediately sent Peter and John to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times people think, well, I got saved and I got everything that there was to get when I got saved. Well, let me just tell you that nobody in Samaria did. Nobody. Neither did they in Ephesus. In fact, the Bible pattern is that it is subsequent to salvation. The only exception to that that we find in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius's house, the very first Gentile to become a believer and instantaneously he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But in the other four instances, all of them are subsequent to having been born again and having the Holy Spirit. In fact, in, in Acts 19, Paul comes to the regions of Ephesus and he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now, that's a great question to ask every believer. Not did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's automatic. Everybody, one baptism. We are all taken and baptized into the body of Christ. But have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is any Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And, and when I read that one time, I thought, man, they went to the same church I did. Because we didn't know anything about him either. We did know he existed because we repeated the Apostles' Creed every week. And that mentions the Holy Spirit. 
But other than that, we never, ever, I don't remember one word ever being said in 20 years about the Holy Spirit. So he asked, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He explains to them, lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same pattern subsequent to salvation. I want you to catch this, that they received. It's not that they had to beg God to fill them. It's not that they had to earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Luke, Jesus said this, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, notice it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not because you're more spiritual than somebody else. It's not because you've performed in some way that some other person hasn't. But you receive the gift. The Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. And now we receive. And I want you to recognize this is something that Jesus, the head of the church, is doing. It's something he wants for you. And may I just say that, that the Holy Spirit is not what a, what a lot of people think. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit is weird. No, people are weird. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not weird. In fact, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, he'll give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, that he may remain with you forever. And in, by the way, when it says another, it's really like a carbon copy. It's another of the same kind. What Jesus is saying is this, that the Holy Spirit is just like him. And it's through the Holy Spirit that God leads and guides the believers. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus said he comes to show you things to come. I, I could tell you for hours things that the Holy Spirit has showed me before they ever came to pass. And some of them I'm like, God, I don't want that to happen. And it's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Uh, he re reveals the Bible to us. He empowers us to witness. And he is another like Jesus. He's another of the same kind, not different. He is the same. Now, I want to talk to you for, for just a moment about an area with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that a lot of people fall over. Now, first of all, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't be drunk with wine in which is access, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Greek actually says, be being filled. Somebody says, yeah, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's good, but you leak. You leak, and the Bible says to be being filled. It's something not that you just do one time, but you ask the Lord again and again and again. But in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2, it says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, when you and I talk to God, you know what we normally call that? We normally call that prayer. In other words, somebody says, what about those tongues? What about them? Well, first thing to know about them is they're not for somebody else. They're you talking to God. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 in the Amplified translation says it like this. It says, if I pray, because when you're speaking in tongues, you're praying. 
in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. And my mind is unproductive. Some translations say unprofitable. Another translation says is of no help. In other words, most of your problems are in between your ears. And what God does is he does a Holy Ghost bypass operation. He says, look, I just got to get their head out of the way. So what I'm going to do is the Holy Spirit in your spirit is going to start communicating with me directly so that you won't mess it up. No selfish prayers when you're praying in tongues. None. None. In fact, notice what it says. No one understands him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I've heard people say, well, I heard somebody speaking in tongues. Sounds like a bunch of gibberish. Well, they weren't talking to you. They were not talking to you at all. They were talking to God and no one understands him. In other words, it's like a divine code that no one can break. Not, not man, not devil. When you're praying in tongues, it's your spirit communicating with God. And in the fourth verse, it says that he who prays or speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, we are in an edifice, something that's been built up. Somebody says, well, there it is. That tongues is just selfish. It just edifies yourself. Now, if you need $100 and I'm broke, I can't help. But if I'm loaded, I can help. When you're edified, when you're built up, when you're charged, in fact, one Greek scholar said the word edified here, we could actually say it's like charging a battery. When you're spiritually full charge, you can lay hands on, you can help somebody. But if you're empty, you haven't got anything to help with. So when you speak in a tongue, it's not your mind, it's your spirit by the Holy Spirit praying, and it literally like charges you spiritually. It builds you up spiritually. The little book of Jude, the 20th verse says, but you beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. Now somebody said, well, what about those tongues? You know, I, the Holy Ghost, I, I understand, I want the Holy Ghost, but I just don't want the tongues. I, I, I just want to show you my shoes. Look at my shoes. Aren't they sharp? Sharp shoes. You know, I asked for shoes, but they came with tongues. That's just how they came. When the Holy Ghost comes, he just comes with tongues. Now, you cannot use them, but they're there. They're there whether you use them or don't use them. They're there. Now, in uh, Isaiah 28... There's an, actually an Old Testament prophecy about tongues, and I want to read it because I think it is so important. It says, whom will I teach knowledge and whom will I make to understand the message? Those weaned from milk, those drawn from the breast, but precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Right. Now, literally, it's talking about how to receive revelation from God. And it says with stammering lips in another tongue. Now that is quoted by the apostle Paul in first Corinthians 14. And he said, that's talking about tongues. So literally what it is saying is this, that when you speak in tongues, you prepare your spirit for revelation. That's the person who's going to receive that revelation. 
He's going to receive understanding of the message. And it's going to be precept on precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And then he says, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. In other words, when you speak in tongues and you're you're just like worn out, particularly worn out spiritually in a battle, it refreshes you. This is the refreshing. I want to close with one of my favorite stories. In 1980, Jeannie and I are living in Mexico. We're living in an Indian village in the state of Hidalgo called uh, Ixmiquilpan. And I get invited to preach in a town about 80 miles away in the uh, city of Tepeyapulco. Uh, a couple of people that are here, Bernie has been there, Merle has been there, a few others of you have been there with me. Uh, and I want to give you a little bit of background so you can understand this story a little bit better. Uh, this church is like mega Pentecostal. In fact, the church, the last time I was there, the church is white with purple tongues of fire all the way around. And uh, they, they follow some very Pentecostal traditions. And one of them is that all women sit on the right side of the church and all men sit on the left side of the church. And there's an aisle in the middle and never do you like cross sides. You never do that. Also, because they're traditionally uh, Pentecostal, uh, they're from a Pentecostal, Mexican Pentecostal denomination. All the ladies have on a head covering. For those of you who know nothing about that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that a woman should have a sign of authority on her head. And in that culture, that symbol was you'd wear something on your head. And it says that it is because of the angels. And here's why that is. When Satan rebelled against God, one third of the angels rebelled with him and would not stay under authority. And angels, particularly divine angels, God's angels, are very, very sensitive to rebellion. And whenever there's a church service, how many know there's angels? Ever, ever been to a wedding? Ever listen to what the pastor says? Dearly beloved, we are all gathered together here in the presence of God and his holy angels. The Bible teaches when there's church service, there's angels around. And so because they're so sensitive to rebellion, Paul said a woman should have a sign of authority on her head. So in that culture, it was a head covering. And then the other thing you, you need to understand is no women could wear pants to church. Because at that time, pants were considered um, really risque. All right. And so some of the churches would actually have a sign on the outside say, no women with pants allowed. And I always thought I'd put a sign out and say, all women with pants, come. Come on, let's bring them. All right. So I get there, see the pastor right before service. We're at his house, which is right next to the, the, uh, the church building. And we talk a little bit and uh, pray. And we go into the service, which has already started. Church is packed. And uh, the elders and some of the pastors would sit up on the platform. So I'm sitting up there and the service is going on. And what I do not know at that point is the whole church had been praying and fasting for three days for that service. They called it the upper room service. And as the service is, is going, I notice the back door swing open and a man walked in. Now, I would not remember that except that a woman followed him in which was not that unusual, except she had pants on. 
and didn't have a head covering on. Now, once I saw the pants, I just went, there's a sinner lady for sure. That's a sinner for sure. But then making matters worse, he took a seat, he squeezed in and she went on the men's side and squeezed in right next to him. And she's barely sitting down. And I look at her and she is just like, she's just bawling her eyes out. Well, after service, she told me this story. She said, I'm a hairdresser and I'm on my way to work this morning. And I was at the bus stop and I'm waiting for the bus. And she said, something just came on me. And I just said, God, I'm a mess and my family is a mess. And God, I don't know what to do. I just need help. And, And she just happened to look at the man next to her. And he's carrying a black book that says Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. And she just said, God, I don't know where he's going, but I'm going with him. Her bus went by. She just let it go. He waved down another bus and he went and sat down on that bus. She sat right next to him. They went about 14 blocks. He pulled the cord, bus stopped. He got off. She followed him, went a block, turned left, then walked right through the doors back. I saw her come in. So this is this Pentecostal church. Upper room service. Now, they like long services, so I've been preaching for about an hour and a half. Just like this morning. (laughs) And then I said to them, I said, now, if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Luke 11 that everyone that asks receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to come forward. I expected, honestly, I expected eight, ten people. This is Pentecostal church. I said that, and I blinked. And it was like, whoa, like 120 people showed up. Whoa, altar is full. And the center lady's there with the pants on. Now, again, I know she's a sinner because she's got pants on. Sits on the wrong side. Doesn't even have a head covering on. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. Somebody said, what will happen? I'm not sure, but I think it'd blow up. This just, just can't happen. You just can't. So, so, so I, I see her there and I thought, well, she's not saved. I know what I'll do. So I lead everybody in a sinner's prayer. And then a prayer to ask to receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody prays. So they had uh, steps not on just one side. They had steps on two sides. And the, this is the lady's side. You remember that, right? So I go down here on the lady side and and people have asked, why do you, you know, why did you do that? Well, because women typically are more spiritual than men and receive easier than men. And my mama didn't raise no fool. I'm going on the easy side. (laughs) And I literally, I sent all of the elders and the pastors on the other side. And I go down here, first lady, I get to this first lady. And and I said to her, I want you to lift your hands. And I said, now, I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And if you sense something down here in your spirit, you just begin to speak out. Just begin to speak that out. That's the Holy Spirit. And he will give you utterance. And so I said to her, I said, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her instantly. Whoa, both her hands went up. And she starts to pray in tongues as loud as she could. When she did, it was like this thing had been choreographed. Because every other person in the church that was still seated, they all jumped up, threw their hands up in the air, and all started speaking in tongues as loud as they could. 
Now, I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what happened. It sounded like Niagara Falls in that thing. All right. They're just brick walls, you know, and it, it, it sounded like. So I go to the next lady. I'm going to lay hands on you. You know, I pray for her. And then I go, I'm going to lay hands on you. You know, I pray for, for a bunch of ladies. And then I come up here and I thought, I'm taking a break. And I'm going to see how these guys are doing over here. And when I get over here, up comes one of the elders. And he is boo -hoo -hoo -hoo. And, and, and he said to me, he said, uh, I pray for people and they receive the Holy Spirit. I said, good. That's what you're supposed to do. Get back down there. And he says, you don't understand. He said, I've been in this church for 30 years and I have never received the Holy Spirit. Now, I knew immediately what the situation was. He was trying to earn the Holy Spirit. He was trying to be super holy and do everything right and earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you don't earn a gift? You receive a gift. So I said to him, I said, I have a word from God for you. Now, when I said that, he thought that God had spoken, you know, like, Dwayne, tell him this. That's what he thought. But I kind of did. Because I had a word from the Bible. Luke chapter 11 says everyone that asks receives. So I said, I I've got a word from God to you. I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to receive right now. He said, really? Really? I said, yeah. I mean, he's just like, ah. And I said, now just pray this simple prayer. Ask to receive. He said, ah, God, I ask you to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I was going to lay, I really was going to lay hands on him. And he just starts speaking in this beautiful language. Now, in the meantime, our sinner lady. She's received the Holy Spirit. She's speaking in tongues. It took her three minutes. She'd been saved for three minutes because she knew it was a gift. The Holy Spirit, he is a gift. He's something that, someone that Jesus wants in your life and my life to empower us. And as soon as the elder of the church realized the Holy Spirit is a gift, something he'd been trying to earn, for 30 years, instantly he received. How many of you know you can't earn your salvation? And you cannot earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would everybody please stand? But if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I would like to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have not received the Holy Spirit since I believed or I've received, but I've just never had any, in, uh, there's just never been any manifestation of the gift of tongues in my life. And I, I want to, to have hands laid on me. And I believe that there's going to be a new, fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. If that's you, I want you to just slip out of your, your pew right now, wherever you're at, from the balcony, come on down and we're going to pray for you right now. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.